Hey, this is Matthew's Table podcast channel. We wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and reminds you of who you are, but more importantly, whose you are. This is right beside the offering boxes, um, and those are for our Connect cards. We want to get to know you guys better. We want to help get you plugged in to what we're doing here at the church. Um, so please fill one of those out, and one of the pastors will be reaching out to you um, in the next day or so. Another announcement is that we have a men's Bible study, and I think this is really important. Um, just as a church, we want to be full of men that love Christ, right, and that pursue Christ. And the way that we do that is we get into his word, okay? So every morning, right downstairs, 945, there's a men's Bible study. So I would encourage you guys, if you're not plugged in somewhere where you're reading the Bible regularly, I would, I would pray and ask that you continue or um, just end up going to that. Another announcement is that our kids' table is open. So for some of you guys that have kids, um, I'm sure you're excited to know that. And that's all age groups. There was an age restriction, but it's wide open now. So kids' table's open. Uh, our jail ministry, for some of you guys who don't know, we write letters to folks in the jail regularly. If uh, you're a part of that or want to get to know more about that, get with uh, Tina Seaton. But if you are a part of that, make sure that you have your letters ready by the third Sunday of every month, and that's January 17th this month. Uh, married couples, another announcement. Uh, Angel and Joe Welsh lead our marriage ministry. They do a great job with that, and there's a, a fairly significant event that's coming up. It's called Marriage Ignite. It's going to be this Saturday, January 23rd at um, 9 a.m. Couples will have the opportunity to ignite their marriages. There's going to be discussion about different hot topic buttons, uh, you'll be able to set marriage goals, and then obviously you'll be able to fellowship and eat. So, okay, those are the announcements. Now we're going to get into the good stuff. So let me pray real quick, and we'll, uh, we'll dive into the Word. Father, we come to you again this morning humbly. Um, Father, I pray that you would move through the words that are going to be spoken today, that you would reveal your Son, Jesus Christ, to somebody in this room that doesn't know him. Um, Lord, we're in a dying and lost world that needs Christ. Um, and Father, I pray that you would move this morning and help somebody to see that they are dead in their sin and that they need forgiveness that's only found through Christ. Um, I pray that, that we would see how practical the word is specifically this morning, um, that it's our job to respond to the Word. We don't just read it and talk about it. We respond to it with our life. Um, Lord, I, I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so very exciting times here at Matthew's Table. We recently launched our new vision statement. So for some of you guys that may not be familiar with the vision statement, I thought it might be helpful to kind of to give you an idea of what that is. It's basically an outline or a plan. Um, or another good explanation would be that it's the direction for our church. And it's going to help guide our decisions and our actions as a body of believers. Okay? The new vision statement that Pastor Roger launched a few weeks ago in our family meeting is that we are a church in the heart of the city with a heart for the city committed to look like heaven, live like heaven, and love like heaven, okay? 
to best introduce the vision statement to the church, we felt that it would be good to start 2021 out with a sermon series, breaking down each part of that vision. Last week, Roger preached on what it means to look like heaven as a church. Okay, And I don't have a ton of time to cover everything that he said, but in summary, our church will not be filled up with a bunch of people that look exactly the same. Okay, We desire to create an environment where you look around and you see doctors and dope heads. Yeah, sitting side by side. A church where you see homeowners and homeless fellowshipping together. A church where the common denominator isn't skin color or subdivision, but rather it's a common love for Jesus Christ. So when we consider heaven, it will be filled with every tongue, every tribe, and every nation of people praising the name of Jesus. And so in whatever way possible, we want our church to look similar. Okay, so again, feel free to check out the sermon if you did miss it. Um, you can find it on our website or you can get with Rob there in the back um, and he'll point you in the right direction. But today, we're going to be spending our time trying to figure out what it means to live like heaven. Okay, And as I thought through how we could walk away from the sermon today with a clear understanding of what it means to live like heaven, the word lifestyle kept coming to my mind. To say that we're going to live a certain way ultimately means that we're deciding what kind of lifestyle we will pursue, individually and then as a church collectively. So as we move along this morning, please keep in mind that to live like heaven ultimately means to live like Christ. In order for us to live like heaven as a church, we're going to have to start living like Christ individually. That means me, that means you, that means you, that means you, and that means you. Okay, that's everybody, every one of us in here. Okay, so to best illustrate what, what it means to live like heaven, if you would turn with me in your Bible, if you have one, um, if you don't on your phone, if you have a, a, a mobile device app, Please turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, okay? Colossians is in the New Testament. I'll give you guys a second to get there. And what I'm going to do is uh, I'll read Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. And it should be on the screen, I think. Um, a lot of Bible translations translate um, or title this section of, of the Bible, putting on the new self, okay? And so that's what we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about this morning is putting on that new self. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and read verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away 
anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. I lost my place. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen holy ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Okay, that is God's Word. Amen. That's right. Amen. So I want us specifically to look at some very practical things here in this third chapter. And we're going to begin with the ninth verse. Okay, Most Bible translations title this section of Scripture, Putting on the New Self. I think that we will see that there are some very basic things here that are going to make a difference in your life when you respond to them. Okay, And I hope you heard that last part, because they won't make a difference in your life if you don't respond to them. All right? The point of reading the Scripture, as James says, is not to be just hearers of the Word, but to be doers of the Word. Okay? So when we read these things, it's our job as new men in Christ, new women in Christ, to respond to the words of God. Now, this is a really good time, I think, because as I'm talking about response and I'm talking about doing certain things, I think it's a good time to, to make mention that specifically here at Matthew's Table and any other uh, Bible-preaching, Christ-believing churches, you will often hear that you need to stop all the working, right, and all the striving to earn God's favor. And to that, I would say, amen. We can't earn our salvation by doing good works. Only the work done on the cross can accomplish right standing with God. But once a person trusts and believes in Jesus, there absolutely is a necessary response. This is where the work comes in. Okay? So let's consider this. You, you know, if, if, if you were in the military or um, a France building services employee or a basketball player or a football player or a clerk at Walmart or, or whatever, you have to dress the part, right? You notice in all those professions that people who are in the professions wear a certain kind of uniform. If, if you happen to be a mailman or whatever, you have to have that kind of uniform on. If you happen to be a business owner, you probably have a suit and a button-down collared shirt, and you might carry a briefcase. I think briefcases are out, but you might carry a briefcase. I don't know. Point is, you look the part, right? 
And you could even get away with not being great at these professions if you look the part in most cases, right? But looking the part is an important area in our society. We are, in a lot of ways, we're a uniformed society. We have managed to sort of separate people, and they dress according to their role in life. You can just about tell a person by the kind of clothes they wear on a daily basis. If you see them going to work, you get a pretty good idea of what they do. And what we wear is important relative to what we are. And this is exactly Paul's point in Colossians chapter 3. In a spiritual sense, you need to dress yourselves spiritually to meet your identity spiritually. Okay? That's his point right here. And it's pretty simple. If you're a Christian, you ought to dress the part. Right? A new man should wear new clothes. And he's not talking about a certain kind of t-shirt that says Jesus saves on the back or bumper stickers. That isn't the idea that Paul's talking about here. He's talking about the spiritual clothes that we wear or the lifestyle that we wear. If you're a new creature in Christ, there are certain clothes that go along with that title. I remember when I was, uh, I was a young kid and living in Chicago, it was common to see folks take large cardboard boxes and they'd push them up against the dryer vents outside of apartments or homes. They'd do this to help them stay warm when it was cold outside. And there was a man on a particular neighborhood block that was notorious for doing this very thing. Okay? And one evening, one of the tenants of the apartments found him outside of their apartment building and called the police on him to have him arrested. When the police showed up, the man politely told the officer that he had no business on his property. Come to find out, the man staying in the dryer vent box owned the entire apartment, the whole block, okay? The whole block. So needless to say, the person that called the police didn't live there much longer, right? After they'd called the police on the owner of the entire city block. Now, in her defense, she couldn't tell that the man owned the place, due to the way he was living and the way that he looked, right? Now, I'm afraid that in the Christian life that there are a lot of people who might get arrested for impersonating a Christian or for trespassing on Christian property because they really don't dress the part. Even that old favorite garment of old life that you want to hang on to so much, that has to go. Okay? From the spiritual standpoint, it kind of goes like this. When you were saved, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, when you believed and He redeemed you, your old man died. Your old man died and you were born again. You were born a new man. And the new man doesn't want to wear the old man's clothes. That's the idea. You don't want to put on filthy rags that you used to wear. You want to put on the new robe, right? Something that's kind of neat, when a believer was baptized in the very, very early church, okay? So when a believer was baptized in the early church, it was customary that when he was baptized, his old clothes were literally thrown away, okay? And he was given a gift from the believing community, and it was a new white robe, and it was a symbol of his new identity. 
And that kind of carries over here in Paul's thinking as he sees us dying with Christ and rising in new life. He sees the discarding of the old clothes and the old garments and the putting on of a brand new wardrobe, a brand new lifestyle to accompany this new life. All right? Now, I think it's important that we define some terms here because it's, it's really important. You'll notice in verse 9, Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, the term the old man, okay? And in verse 10, you'll see the term the new man. The old man and the new man, right? Now, these two terms have provided many discussions and many arguments over the years. What is the old man? What is the new man? Do we still have the old man or do we just have the new man? Are we a combination of the old man and the new man? And we're fighting along with each other, trying to, trying to tap in more to the new man? Just exactly how do these two things come together? If I'm guessing you've been walking with Christ for very long at all, and you're familiar with the passages here in Colossians, you've probably wrestled with this very thing. There's that old man and there's this new man. What do we, you know, are they living together um, is the old man completely dead? How do I tap into this new man? And so hopefully, um, let's see if we can't figure this out, okay? When you became a Christian, you ceased, okay? You stopped being an old man, and you became the new man. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. I hear that all the time, okay? It's easy. It quickly falls out of our mouth. We're a new creation, Okay? You aren't that old man anymore. You don't have the old man anymore. You are the new man and new woman for women. Um, there aren't two of you. There's only one of you, and that's the one new man. And the practices which were normal to the old man, so our old sinful lifestyle, are all of a sudden, they're abnormal to this new creature, to this new man. They don't fit, right? And for anybody who's in Christ knows what I'm talking about, that those old clothes that we used to wear, when we try to put them back on, they just don't fit. They don't feel right, right? And the practices that were, that were normal to the old man, again, they just don't fit. They're out of sync. And so this section in Colossians is simply saying, since you are a new man, dress like one, okay? You're putting on clothes or a lifestyle to match the, the life that is now in you. If you have the risen life, as indicated in the first four verses of Colossians chapter 3, if you possess eternal life, then there ought to be some evidence to prove it. Okay? There ought to be a style of life that accommodates the reality of your eternal life. Okay? So now you've seen... You've seen new men in old clothes, haven't you? Christian people who are new men, but who wear the rags of their former life, who go around doing the things that they used to. And those things are abnormal. Those things are to be put aside. Those things are to be discarded. When you died, and by that I mean the moment that you believe in Christ, by a divine miracle... Because that's exactly how you believed if you believed in Christ. It was a miracle. Okay, you didn't do that. He did that for you. Your old life died. And you rise to new life. 
and you become a new man. You then respond by throwing away the old clothes and putting on the new ones. So you can see that there is a, a, a very negative aspect to the things we're talking about, and then there's a very positive thing, right? The negative is get rid of the old. The positive is put on the new. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here in chapter 3. In verses 5 through 9, we're reminded again to get rid of the old. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness. And he goes on to talk about these things that characterize your former life. He said, put away, in verse 8, anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and dirty talk out of your mouth and stop lying to each other. In other words, as a new man, there are some things you throw away, some junk, some things that you kill, things that you discard. Right? And I think in the church today, it's easy to point out homosexuality or it's easy to point out um, a child molester or some of these things that um, you know, we, we can easily hate, but we don't hear a lot of people talking about how much they hate anger right? and how much they hate um, the wrath that we have on other people or the, the dirty talk that comes out of our mouth. Man, I know all of us in here, when we're at the workplace, it's easy to slip into those old behaviors. But what Paul's saying here, specifically the Spirit of God through Paul, he's saying put these things away. Put them to death. Those are old clothes. They don't fit anymore. Put on the new ones, right? And then in the positive, beginning in verse 9, there are certain things that you put on. Right? So you have to get rid of the old and you need to put on the new. And in verse 9 he says, Seeing that you have put off the old man and put on the new man, then you need to do this. Right? That's a direct command, do these things. Okay? Put on, therefore. Paul begins to list the things you need to put on. So the Spirit through the Word is calling all Christians to cut ties with the old way of life. Okay? And I'll read those real quick, guys, because I think it's important. Verse 12 says, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones. So everything that we do, the putting on is not in an effort to gain God's approval. The putting on of the new clothes is as a result of something, right? So the reason that we put on the new clothes is because, why? Because we are God's chosen people, right? Man, if that doesn't hit you in a certain kind of way, knowing that God specifically chose you to believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, then I don't think you've truly seen the Son of God. Because when you see Christ for who He is and realize what He did for you, you're going to want to respond, right? So put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one of you has a complaint against another, you forgive each other, right? You forgive each other. Because why? Because the Lord has forgiven you. So a question I would ask is as a, as a new man or a new woman in Christ, when you read the two sections of Scripture, you see the old clothes and you see the new clothes, the question you've got to ask yourself, I believe, is which one of those lists best describe you today, right? 
And I would encourage you to, to, again, because there's enough grace for everybody in this world to continue to put off those old clothes and put on those new, okay? Now, I, I wish, honestly, that we didn't have to talk um, much else about this because, truth be told, we should, by now, we should understand this, right? We should know that as a Christian that that's exactly what is asked of us, that the old life is dead, right? The old life has been crucified with Christ. The old life has been done away with. The old is gone. It isn't there anymore. It isn't around anymore. But unfortunately, we see it more than we should. A lot of us still walking around in dead man's clothes, acting like the fools that we used to be when we should be embracing the new clothes and acting like we've been set free, right? So since you're a new man, act like it. Since you've entered a new world, act like it. Since you're members of a new family, alive to God, act like it. Leave the old habits, the old selfishness that belong to the old man and take on the new habits of selflessness, right, which belong to the new man who is in Christ. So now as we look at the positive, we're going we're gonna to look, again, specifically at verses 9 through 17. 9 through 17 just, again, gives us some basic principles for putting on the new clothes that belong to the new man. And we're going to beat this drum all morning, so get it. And if you want another word for the clothes, guys, because I think sometimes maybe it's hard to put those things together. At the end of the day, it's behavior. It's throwing away old behavior and it's putting on new behavior. Okay, that's, that's what the Christian life amounts to. Okay. So if we're going to live like heaven, we have to have a Christ-like lifestyle. A new man demands a new lifestyle. Right? So as a church, we've talked many times about what we're going to do moving forward with this new vision. We're going to look like heaven, we're going to live like heaven, and we're going to love like heaven. Well, in order to live like heaven, right, there has to be a Christ-centered lifestyle that accompanies this new man that we are. Okay? So this whole idea of putting on the new man is, is based on who the new man is. Right? So if we look at verse 9... Seeing that you have put off the old man and you've put on the new man, do this. That's his point. So the first thing he does is he describes this tremendous transformation, right, as the baseline for the commands that later follow in the verse. So it's essential that as a Christian, or it's essential that a Christian understands that the reason he is to change his lifestyle is because God has changed his life. Okay? God has changed him, transformed him, and a new life demands a new lifestyle. Now, the characteristics of the new man are all over the place in the New Testament. So I'm going to give you an example. If you look at Ephesians chapter 4, okay? And we're already in Colossians, so it's the book... Um, it's right after, it's before Colossians, um, and you'll see Philippians there, and then right before Philippians is Ephesians, okay? So Ephesians chapter 4, it's two books before Colossians. All right, and again, we're just looking at these new characteristics of the new man. 
All right, verse 17, Ephesians chapter 4 says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you do not walk as the Gentiles do. Literally, we don't live like them. So the first thing we learn about a new man is he isn't like anybody else. Okay? He isn't like anybody else. I think that's a hard pill to swallow for us because truth be told is we're all together out in a group. Most of the time, you're not going to be able to tell a Christian apart from the worldly man, right? But here's the thing. The scripture says that we don't live like the Gentiles do. We don't live like anybody else. He's different, right? We're different than the rest of the world. We're a new man. Why? Because the rest of the world is the old man, right? Corrupt with that old nature. So that first great truth is you're different. You are different. Another thing we find out about the new man is that according to Ephesians, same book, chapter 5, so the next chapter in verse 1, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore be followers of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ loved us. The new man is not only different, but he functions in love. That's his primary motivator. He operates in love because he's loved by God. Right? Same chapter 5 of Ephesians, verse 8, gives us something else. So chapter 5, verse 8. It says at the end of verse 8, Since you are light in the Lord, walk as children of light. So the new man walks different. Right? The new man walks in love. The new man walks in light. The light of God's truth. Again, same chapter, verse 15. So same chapter of Ephesians 5, verse 15. It says, See then that you walk carefully, not as fools. Okay, see then that you walk carefully, not as fools. I think there's a lot of Christians today, including myself, that walk around um, without intention, right? We're not careful with how we live our lives. We're careless most of the time with how we live our lives. And then we wonder, why, why isn't there that revival? Why isn't that we're not leading men and women to Christ, right? Because I think a lot of times when people look at us, they don't see Christ, Right? They see that old man. They're familiar with that. They know what the old man is. They're very familiar with that, right? What we need is new men and new women who model a lifestyle that looks like Christ, okay? So again, Ephesians 5, verse 15. See then that you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise. So what is a new man? A new man walks differently, Walks in love, walks in light, walks in wisdom. Now that's just one little passage to give you a glimpse into what this new man is like. The, the, the whole New Testament is full of passages of what our life should look like, right? And I would encourage you, if you desire in any way to put on these new clothes, you're not going to be able to put those new clothes on because you're not, you, if you're not in the Word it's, it's, it'd be like the equivalent of, of wanting to, um, to buy a new outfit, but you're never going to the store to buy the clothes, right? That's the way this works. The scripture's full of all the new clothes that we are as Christians to put on, but we never go to the store to get the clothes, right? And so then we expect to, to, to live this life. And I think that's why a lot of times, again, myself included, we look foolish out here trying 
to do something that we really don't know how to do because we're not in the Word. All right? So if I'm guessing at this point, you're probably saying, Stephen, I, I've got a problem. All right? My problem is that uh, I may be a new man and all, right? And there might not be any old man around, and there might not be any old me around. But man, I, I've got a lot of trouble because for whatever reason, I just keep on sinning, right? I just keep on sinning. Where is it coming from? Basically, it's coming because your new man is connected up with your flesh, okay? And you have to draw a very clear line, I think, between the flesh and the old man. See, your flesh is just your humanness, right? Um, and it's still around, so don't get that twisted. And it bugs the new man. It's irritating to the new man, right? It makes things very difficult because you know what the flesh does. It always runs to the closet, and it drags out the old cruddy old man's clothes, old dead man's clothes, and says, put these on today, right? That's what the flesh does. It hangs on to the garbage, you see, and it says, wear these. See, we're new, but it's very possible that the flesh, which is still very much there because we are in the flesh, we're in human flesh, is going to hang up those clothes in front of us, and it's going to tempt us. But at the end of the day, we are new men and women in Christ. Okay? So you see, this, this is a process. And this is, I think, encouraging. It was encouraging to me as I was thinking through this um, passage of scripture and realize this is a process, okay? So let's say you just became a Christian, right? You're a brand new creature, okay? You're a new man and, and you've got your flesh running in front of you all the time, hanging up those clothes and saying, put it on, put it on, right? You look funny in your new clothes. Your friends are probably going to say, man, boy, that, that, that's a weird outfit you got there. Um, man, you can't hang, out, hang around with us like that. You stick out too much. All right? And the flesh is going to hang that stuff in front of your eyes, and you're going to have to begin to conquer that flesh. Right? There was an old man we used to do a Bible study with all the time, and I used to give him a hard time. Um, it's crazy. He did like 30 years in prison, and the way he said the word flesh was funny to me, but, man, he, he understood something back then that it's taken me years to figure out. But he'd always say, we've got to fight that flesh. Like that. And it sounded like he was saying flesh, but he was saying fight the flesh, right? Fight the flesh. That's what our, our daily lives should look like in most of the, most of the time. But, but again, more often times than not, we don't fight that flesh like we should. We just don't, okay? But little by little, day by day, as we live, there is a progression in the conquering of the flesh. So there is progression. Be hopeful and know that there is progression, the new life and the new man begins to grow. It's like a child that's born. You have that little baby, right? A little baby. And it, it looks maybe a little bit like its father, maybe a little bit like its mother. Um, you know it's your child. There's no doubt about that. It has all of its parts in the right places, and it begins to grow and grow and grow. All right? Well, same thing is true in, in the spiritual life. You were born again. Okay, you were born again. You are a new life. You are a brand new creation. But there is to be progress made. There is to be growing. There is to be growing into the likeness of Christ. 
You see it in verse 10. It's Colossians chapter 3. I know we've been bouncing around, but it's Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. You see it in verse 10. To the place where you are literally in the image of him that made you, where you become like Jesus Christ in every sense. So there will be a point when we're glorified and brought up into heaven that we will be like him in every sense. Okay? And that's our hope. That's our, um, that's our desire, is that we would be like our Father who is in heaven. And so then, the new man is complete, yet it has the ability to grow. Just like a baby is complete with all of its parts, but yet it has the ability and the capacity to grow. And I hope that makes sense because, you know, a lot of times we, we think, how in the world am I a new man in Christ, but I still deal with all this old stuff. You're still a new man, just like that baby's a new baby. But there's an ability and a capacity to grow, right, and become more like Christ. Okay? That's encouraging. That should encourage each one of us in here this morning. Right? Now, the music team, I don't know where they're at, but they can start making their way up here. Hopefully they can hear me. Um, I think it's important for those of us um, in this room that are believers in Jesus Christ. Um, because I, I thank God for what he's done in each of us. That he's made us new creations, new men, right? The old is gone and we're brand new. We've heard it this morning and there has to be a new lifestyle that, that goes with that new man. There has to be a whole new kind of living. And as we begin this new year, 2021, I urge each one of you to make that commitment to live that new life, that we're going to be the new man with the new clothes, and that we're going to do all that we can to live like heaven in our homes, in our workplaces, and right here in this city, okay? I plead with you to take the word that you have been given this morning and the knowledge that you already have and apply it to your lives. We can't be exactly like Jesus until we see him face to face, but we need to strive to be as close as we can while here on this earth. In a room this size, I know for a fact that some of you don't know Jesus Christ. And if you've never met Jesus Christ, you're not a new man. You're not that new man that we talked about this morning. You're the same old person with that sin nature, and you really aren't going to be able to do anything about it. You can't put on any new clothes because you don't own any new clothes. Okay? But maybe today you'd like to say, Lord, Jesus, I want to be a new man. I want to be a new creation. I want to be something completely different than I've ever been before. If that's the case, just tell the Lord that in your heart. He'll hear it. If your heart is sincere, is sincere and you really mean it, He'll make you that new creature in a split second. There's no reason for you to be that old man anymore. You can be born again and your new life can begin right now. Now, there are others of you, as Christians, 
you are new men and new women. The old man's dead, but you still have that problem of the flesh dangling those clothes in front of your face. And you keep putting them on, walking out into the world wearing them, and the world doesn't know the difference. They can't see the new man underneath because he's hidden, and you're really not enjoying the walk that he wants you to have. If that's the case, why don't you tell the Lord that too? Admit it, but don't go away until everything is right. If you're a new creature, but wear old clothes, beg God, beg God to help, help you throw them in the trash, put the old clothes off, and put on the things that God wants on. Righteousness, holiness, love for Christ. All right, be blessed, guys. Hey, thanks for joining us today. A special thanks to those who sow into this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us financially, text all one word, Matthew's Table, to 73256. That's Matthew's Table to 73256. It's because of you this ministry is possible. If you like what you've heard, click the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You never know what God can do through your one act of obedience. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless.